What's going on, everyone? My name is Brian Williams, and I am the pastor of Restoration Church in Traverse City, Michigan. Thanks so much for allowing us into your digital life and tuning in to this message. If you'd like to get involved with anything we have going on, you can do so at restorationtc.com. While you're there, you can find out about events, get to know a little bit more about what we believe, and you can also give a donation. Now, we're set up a little different than most in that we have a community account where 100% of your donation goes directly back into the community, both locally and globally. We've partnered with organizations like Freedom Builders here in Traverse City, World Orphans, and Charity Water. We also have an overhead account that helps fund the mission and vision of the church. Our vision is people following Jesus, and our mission is transparency, community, and change. Thanks again for checking out the message. Now let's get to it. There's always a moment in every single journey that we're on that uh, you start to wonder if you made the right call, if you made the right decision to do whatever it is you're doing, whether you're Frodo and you're taking the ring all the way back to Mordor, or you've started a new job and you've just left the the old one behind and now you're facing this new one. Uh, There's always that moment where you're like, I don't know if I just made the right decision, isn't there? Have you felt that way before? Where, where it just is like, man, you, you just left everything. For a while, everything, like, it seemed like it was going really well, and it seemed like this is exactly where you're supposed to go. This is exactly what you're supposed to do. And then you get into it, and then you realize, oh, maybe this isn't quite as good as what I had thought it was going to be. It's usually a major decision. <laughs> Sometimes it's a marriage uh, where you're like, boy, what did I get myself into? Uh, it's too late now, pal. And, and, but there's other times where it's like starting a new job, buying a new house, moving to a new city, uh, all of those types of things where you're just like, man, there's so many question marks on, on, on starting something new. There, there's so many question marks on, on leaving something and then starting something or leaving something and beginning something or, or, or whatever that looks like in your life. This journey that we find ourselves on, there's so many changes in our lives. It seems like that, uh, we sometimes, just halfway through go, boy, I don't know if I made the right decision. Can you relate to that at all? Because this is where we find Jacob right now. This is where we find Jacob in chapter 32. If you remember in chapter 31, he had just uh, told Laban off and they had this little piecemeal thing and they agreed to disagree and they had that mizpah where it's like, okay, I don't trust you. You don't trust me. We're going to go our separate ways. And then we find out we put that on t-shirts and it's totally, totally misconstrued. But we, we, this is where we find Jacob. We find him, um, in, in, in a moment of, of panic because he's left Laban, which is good. He's left all of that behind. And maybe for the first few days, things were looking up. Things were looking good for Jacob. Maybe for the first few days, it's like, man, I can't believe we're doing this. It's like, it's like uh, uh, Harry and Lloyd and, and Dumb and Dumber. They're like, man, we're actually going on this trip. And then halfway through, they've, you know, things start to go wrong for them. But, but those first few moments are so good. I'm sure Jacob is like, I can't believe we, I, I can't believe I told Laban off like that, first of all, and that we were able to leave and do all this stuff. And but then it started to probably get a little bit louder every night. 
your brother, Esau. He's on his way. Esau, you're going towards Esau. Jacob, remember, your mom told you that she would send for you when Esau wasn't so mad that he was going to kill you. You haven't heard from mom. Mom has been non-existent these 20 years. So while it's great that you left Laban behind, it's great that he's not uh, a part of the picture anymore. You've got your family, you've got your flock, you've got your servants, you've got your camels, you've got all this stuff. And you're headed back to the promised land. That's all great that you left Laban. But now in the back of your mind, Esau. Last time I saw Esau, he wanted to kill me. And I never heard from mom that it was okay to come home. Well, now I can't go back to Laban after I just told him off and did everything that I said to him. I can't, there's no way I can go back there. We built that, that heap so that we wouldn't cross over that. The moment one of us crosses over that, the moment the contract's broken and we're, it's open season. So going backwards is no longer a, 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 uh, an option. Well, I've got to go forward. But man, going forward looks pretty tough all of a sudden. I can't believe I forgot about Esau. Have you been there before? You burn the bridges behind you and you look forward to what's ahead of you, but maybe those, those pastures aren't as green as what you had hoped it was going to be. You, those, those, those fields where of, of open dreams and, and opportunity just, well, they're kind of withered. Have you been there? Because Jacob sure has. This is an odd chapter we're going to be in in chapter 32, and I'm glad you're here uh, to, to be a part of it with us. We are uh, in this series of Why This Family, and we're trudging right through. Uh, after this comes a series on Joseph, but we're in Genesis 32. We've been here uh, in, in Genesis now for 32 weeks, and well, we've got about 28 more to go. And uh, we're over the halfway point, but we're in the story of Jacob, this whole family, 12 sons representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And we're going to jump into this story for Jacob. So we're going to have your Bible open, if you would, and we're going to start in verse 1. Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Mahanaim. Man, I'm getting good at these Jewish names. The angels uh, met him on the road. This is so, like, it it doesn't seem like, oh, okay, so just the angels of God met him. Great, okay, you know, no big deal. Just keep going on your way. Angels of God, great, they show up every day. No, this is a big deal. The angels of God met Jacob right where he was at, right on his way. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Mahanaim. Now, what that word means, I don't get into this too much, but this is actually not just a couple of angels. When I read this, I say, okay, so a couple of angels showed up. Big deal. And again, even then it's like, dude, a couple of angels showed up. Have you ever seen an angel? I don't know. I don't know if I have or not. Maybe. Who knows? 
but but here's the deal. Like it's not just a couple of angels. This is this is a host of angels. This is an army of angels. This is the angels that that Jesus says at any point he could call down this army of angels to be at his side immediately. This this is that scope of angels. There's two camps here. There's there's Jacob's camp. He's got his friends and his family and his servants and now he's in God's camp where there's a whole lot of angels. There's a host of them. And it's all just to encourage him. Say you're doing the right thing. I find it really cool that Jacob left the world behind and he has this encounter. And knowing what's about to happen, knowing the the chapter that that is to come. And Jacob is starting to think more and more about his brother Esau. Before he gets into the danger, before he gets into the turmoil of having to meet up with his brother, God meets him in this space. He meets him in this place before the battle begins, before whatever's going to happen. God meets us in that quiet, in the stillness. I remember several years ago, I've shared a little bit of this before, but when my my sister-in-law, she was diagnosed with cancer uh, in, in the fall, of several years ago, and uh, she had passed away um, in December. So it was a very short time. But from the moment she was diagnosed, b- before that moment that she was diagnosed, I went on this men's retreat, and um, I had this experience. Again, it wasn't it wasn't what somebody said. It wasn't the music. It wasn't any of this stuff. It was it was just having this quiet time alone with God. He was preparing me for this time. For this season, because when I was a kid growing up, man, in high school, junior high, I was the biggest hypochondriac. You could not convince me that I didn't have cancer and that I wasn't going to be dying in the next year, maybe, maybe two, maybe two years if I'm lucky. Um, I, I might make it past high school, maybe. That was my mentality. Uh, that was my hypochondriacness uh, in, in in my life, and so. God knowing what was about to happen in my family's life, that I would not have been able to cope with that had I not had a closer relationship with him. God met me before the struggle, before the battle, before all of that stuff started happening. And he said, I've got you. I love you. And let's have a relationship again. And that carried me through the diagnosis and through the battle and ultimately, unfortunately, through the death of my sister-in-law. God meets us before the battle begins. When we're ready to leave the world behind. Man, okay, that's two verses in and we've got a few to go. So we're going to keep going here. All right, uh, verse three, let's keep going. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom instructing them, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, and female servants. I have sent to tell my lord in order that I may find favor in your sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two camps. 
thinking, If Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. So here's Jacob. He's, he's, uh, Esau is on his mind, like I said, and he gets the report back from his, his messengers that Esau is on the way with 400 men. Now, the last thing Jacob remembered is that Esau wanted to kill him. And so when you have something like that, already preconceived notion in your mind, it's not very hard to connect those dots, is it? That, okay, Esau's coming with 400 people. He obviously is coming to kill me. I'm going to divide my camp. See, Jacob ran away from the things that were, were, uh, were haunting him. He ran away from the sin that he was in. He ran away from his past, and now the past is catching up with him. Shakespeare has a great quote that says, Conscious doth make cowards of us all. I can't believe I just quoted Shakespeare in, in a message. I'm, I'm, my English teachers in high school are going to be so proud of me. Uh, Conscience doth make cowards of us all. Now, I can't tell you what book that was from, what play. Did he write plays or book? I don't know. Uh, whatever it was that Shakespeare wrote, I, I can't tell you what it was from, but that is a good quote because you know what happens is sin breeds fear. Sin breeds fear in, in, in all of us. Jacob remembers what he did and he's afraid. He's freaked out. He never dealt with this sin. He never dealt with any of this stuff. So his conscience is making a coward of him. He's thinking through, oh man, I really messed up. I stole the blessing. I stole the birthright from, from Esau and now he's ready to kill me. And so Jacob, trying to... to um, appease his brother is is telling his messengers to tell him look i've i've been with laban i'm not running around the countryside trying to scheme some more i'm not doing any of that kind of stuff i'm not doing that i've got lots of stuff so i'm not gonna try to steal anything from you at this point jacob he doesn't even know if his dad is alive he might think that esau now has the birthright the inheritance all that kind of stuff because nobody's heard from jacob in a while so what he's saying he's doing three things here for esau he's saying number one uh, I, I, I'm, I've, I haven't been just running around. I've been with Laban. I've got a family now. And number two, uh, I've got a lot of stuff. Okay. I'm not coming to take your stuff. And number three, uh, I don't know what number three was. So, oh, he just wants to find favor in his eyes. He's just like, he's, he's just looking to appease He's just saying, look, I'm going to come in and say that this is your servant, Jacob. Okay, I'm going to come with humility. I'm going to tell you I've been saying with Laban, and I've got all this stuff that I already have that I don't need anything from you. All right? I don't, I don't need it. I don't need anything from you. So can we please just be appeased here? Sin breeds fear. When we don't deal with it, conscience doth make cowards of us all. I used to do backflips on trampolines. When I was a kid, I used to do them all the time. We had a trampoline at our house and I was the master of doing flips. I could do front flips. I could do backflips until I messed up. Until one time I messed up. Now this is back before trampolines had all the safety features on it with, a, with basically a, a, a shield all around it so kids can't go flying off anymore. And there's the netting and then there's the padding around the, the, the springs and stuff. We didn't have any of that kind of stuff. And you could put as many people on the trampoline as you wanted to, right? You could have 12 people on the trampoline at one time. It didn't matter. Like, I, we've, we've had so many accidents on trampolines growing up that it, um, yeah, it probably wasn't very safe for us. But I would do front flips and back flips. And I stopped doing back flips when I failed at doing a back flip. 
when I was wrong in doing a backflip. I did a backflip. I used to do them all the time. And, and a couple of times I would do one. I'd start on one end and I'd do a backflip and I would almost hit the edge of the springs on the other side. I don't know. I just started making it go longer and longer to, to a point where I was getting really close to the springs. And then one time, yep, you guessed it. I did a backflip and I landed in the springs and hurt myself. It's like, well, I'm never going to do backflips again. Sin breeds fear. We try to do stuff, and if we fail, if we sin, it's like, well, I'm never going to do that again. I can't go back to that again. I'm just going to run away. I've never done a backflip on the trampoline since. Probably never will. I probably shouldn't do that anymore anyway. Sin breeds fear. I mean, I mean look at the example of, of, of Jesus and Peter on the water. They're out on the boat. Jesus is coming out towards them. There used to be a storm. Jesus calms the storm. He's walking out there towards them. And Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water towards Jesus. But then he remembers everything that he is. I'm just a human being. I'm just a person. I have flaws. I shouldn't be walking on water. And he immediately sinks and Jesus has to rescue him. He took his eyes off Jesus and he was more focused on the fear. Sin breeds fear. Jacob is a very fearful person. And the encouragement in this is, is when you're between a rock and a hard place, look up. Laban is, is behind him. Esau is in front of him. You could say that Jacob's between a rock and a hard place right now. And thankfully, in this story, Jacob looks up. Here we go, Genesis 32, still, uh, verse 9. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children." But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Now, for a very first prayer of Jacob that we have recorded in the Bible, that's a good start. That's a good start for a prayer. He starts with, with acknowledgement of who God is and the promises that God has for him. Then he goes into humility of like, I'm not worthy of this kind of stuff. I mean, <clears throat> he says, I'm not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. He goes into humility, and then he goes into the requests of what, what he's asking for. Man, that's a good prayer. If we are ever finding ourselves in between a rock and a hard place, man, start there. Look up. Acknowledge who God is. Come with humility and present your requests. Let's keep going, because I'm almost 20 minutes in, and I even, we're not even... Let's just keep going. <coughs> Excuse me. So he stayed there that night, and from what he had with him, he took a present for his brother Esau. 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their calves, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. These he, said, these he handed over to his servants, every drove by itself. And he said to his servants, pass on ahead of me and put space between drove and drove. 
He instructed the first, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, to whom do you belong? Where are you going? And those, uh, and whose are these ahead of you? Then you shall say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a present sent to my lord Esau, and moreover, he is behind us. He likewise instructed the second and third and all who followed the droves. You shall say the same thing to Esau when you find him. And you shall say, moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he thought, I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me. And afterward, I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on ahead of him, and he himself stayed the night in the camp. So Jacob has a ton of stuff, and he's giving it all over to Esau. And this is a a couple of reasons for this. Number one, he wants to soften Esau up as much as he possibly can. Like, you know how it is, as a, maybe as a parent or as, as a child, when there's some bad news, you just, you, you soften the blow a little bit. You're like, man, mom, you, you, you make great grilled cheese sandwiches. I just want to say that, you know, just want to say that you make really good grilled cheese sandwiches. And, um, I, I, I never said thank you for, for helping me clean my room. And, um, well, let's see. Oh, you know, and, and thank you for, for driving me to football practice and for doing all that stuff that you did for me. Um, also, I failed my math test, but I just want to say thank you for all that you've done. So it's what we do. This is basically what Jacob was doing. Also, there's a little bit of a military idea here as well that if Esau was planning on an attack on Jacob, the best thing that Jacob could do is bring as many people around him as possible. So now Esau is is riding towards Jacob. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and the first crowd of, of people and uh, animals come and they accept him. And Esau has to, like, maybe they're waiting, maybe they're hiding. And then these people come in. Ugh, okay, never mind. Jacob's not in this camp. Everybody reset right? And now they've got more camels, they've got more animals, and then the next people come. And uh, uh, nope, still not Jacob, got to reset again. So you take away the element of surprise. Maybe by the end, they're just like, okay, let's just give up. Let's just go. And the other uh, option here is that Esau's going to have a large caravan with him at this point. With all of those those animals and all of those servants, now it's going to be nearly impossible. He's going to be going a lot slower because he's got all this stuff with him for Jacob to prepare. So there's a few reasons why Jacob is doing this, but he's afraid. He, he, he's afraid. He's, he's got a plan in place. And Jacob the schemer, Jacob the planner, Jacob the I'm going to do everything on my own to try to get by in life. Isn't that how he's always lived his life? Whatever he can do to get ahead in life is what he's going to do. Whatever he can do to make sure that he's got enough for himself and his family. Not really trusting in God, more trusting in his own. Boy, he kind of takes after his father-in-law a little bit. Now, he's not going to abandon his family and he's going to treat them well. So, he's got a little bit of a leg up on his father-in-law. But Jacob's whole life, all he's done is, is scheme, it seems like. And here he is scheming again. And this time it's cost him just about everything. He's given just about everything, except his family and a few other things, over to Esau, his brother. And that's what fear does, doesn't it? That's what sin does to us. So he's surrendered just about everything except himself. Okay, let's, we got to keep going. Verse 22, this is where it gets kind of interesting. 
The same night he arose, took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. So Jacob has nervous energy. Have you ever done that where uh, you just can't sleep at night? There's a lot on your mind. There's a lot going on. Sun's going down. You try to lay down, but you, it's just restless. You can't sleep. So Jacob is, is basically pacing back and forth. He's got this, this nervous energy. He's like, oh man, Esau's coming. You know, he just keeps, he just keeps pacing and he's like, okay, I've got all of the, the camels, all the servants have gone ahead. I wonder if anybody has, has made it yet to, to Esau. I wonder if anybody's gone ahead and, 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 and done what I've asked them to do. I wonder if Esau is, is taking care of them and, and making sure that, that they're okay. I, man, I hope this is, this plan is going to work. I hope this plan is going to work. Oh man, what if Esau comes at night? And now he's like, well, I better, I better send my family forward. I better, I better get them across the river as well. So that it's just me here. And he can't sleep. He can't sit still. He's just, he's, he's nervous energy. He's all shifty. And, uh, so he takes his, his wives and he goes ahead. So it's just Jacob now in the camp. It's just Jacob. And let's see what happens. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. <laughs> okay. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. <clears throat> what? <laughs> then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven, striven? Stri striven with God and with men and have prevailed. He's wrestling with God. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose up upon him as he passed Penwell, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. There's a lot we can go. And this, we're going to, we've read it all. We're going to go back verse by verse and go through some of this kind of stuff, okay? So we have the story. <clears throat> the end of chapter 32 here, God comes down. It's Jesus in flesh, okay? This is reincarnate, pre-incarnate Jesus. Not reincarnate, that would be later. Pre-incarnate Jesus. And he comes down and he wrestles with Jacob. It says, and Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. This was Jesus. Sometimes we need to be separated from everything for Jesus to get a hold of us. So that Jacob was left alone. Everything's been separated from him. And this is the moment that Jesus comes in. Sometimes Jesus is just waiting for us to let go of all this stuff. Move it on. Put it, put it behind you before he comes. And notice this, that 
a man, we're going to say, excuse me, a man, we're going to say Jesus, wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. This is important to note. Jesus wrestled with Jacob. Jacob didn't initiate. Jacob didn't initiate this wrestling match. He didn't see somebody come into his tent and then start wrestling. This was Jesus coming to him and wrestling with Jacob. Why is that important? Because Jesus wanted to reduce Jacob down to a sense of nothingness. Wrestling away the last of his flesh. Jesus initiated the wrestling. It wasn't Jacob that initiated the wrestling. See, Jacob, his entire life has been scheming and planning and doing everything possible to, to, to prepare for whatever it is that's coming. And here we have him. He's already done all the preparing, all the planning. All that's left is just him. And he's still nervous. He's still scared. And Jesus comes in in that. To reduce Jacob down to a sense of nothingness. I think we wrestle with God, don't we? We wrestle with, with Jesus <clears throat> more probably often than we would like to admit. Because our flesh is still holding on. Our flesh is still fighting. Our, our sinful nature is still there. We're still human beings. We're still going to mess up. We're still going to have these flaws. Our, our, our flesh doesn't want to give in so easily, does it? They were wrestling until the break of the day. Jacob is a man who's, who's got strength. We saw when he moved the, the stone over the well, from the well, that he's a pretty strong guy. Jacob has a lot of endurance, and he's a pretty strong guy. And so he's, he's putting up a fight. Man, our sin has a lot of endurance, and our sin has a lot of strength for a lot of us, and it'll put up a fight when Jesus is trying to wrestle it away from us. Verse 25 says, <coughs> cough. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. So Jesus is basically like, okay, you're fighting with me. I'm, you're wrestling. You're putting up a good fight, and I'm, I'm done playing, and it's time to end this. And so just a little top on the tap on the uh, the old hip and it comes out of socket that had to be very very painful sometimes jesus needs to end the match and just break us down sometimes jesus just needs to do that supernatural thing of like okay you're 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 not going to give in here we go now give in he's jesus he can do stuff like that And he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So Jacob in this story has, has three different postures. And uh, he starts with fear. The, the whole beginning of the chapter, up until these few verses, has been one of fear. Jacob is a very fearful person. So it starts with fear. And then he moves on to wrestling. So now he's actually wrestling with God. His hip gets broken put out a socket, and now he's clinging to God. Like the end of an MMA fight, right, where, where the guys are getting tired and they're just clinging to one another. Jacob is only, that's the, that's the last thing he's got. 
He's got no more plan. He's got no more scheming. He's got no more physical strength to, to, to keep him up anymore. He's hurt. He's, he's at his very end. And it's at his very end that he says, I, I, I give. I'm going to cling. Will you bless me? It says, and he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Jesus knew his name already. Remember that his name Jacob means deceiver, means schemer, means to the grasper of the heel, that he's going to connive his way to get ahead in life. It's not a, a pleasant name. So when asking him his name, I imagine Jacob holding on to Jesus, looking up at him because he's got a broken hip and whatever, and, and Jesus is like, what's your name? And Jacob's like, oh, he has to look down. That's Jacob. I'm a deceiver. I'm a schemer. It's what I do. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Call out your sin. Call out your shortcomings and cling to Jesus. And we see change. When we stop wrestling and we start clinging, we change. We change. We remain clinging. We don't let go of the clinging to Jesus. We find ourselves at the end of ourselves. We're done with the wrestling. We're done with the fighting. We're done with the fear. And we just are clinging to Jesus. He tells us in John, I think it's John chapter 15, to remain in Him. Abide in Him. Keep looking to Him. Keep holding on to Him. Keep clinging on to Him. So I've got a, f a few questions I want to ask you this morning because I think a lot of us find ourselves in the same place as, as Jacob. We find ourselves wrestling with something. We find ourselves afraid of something. Whatever it is, maybe we started a new job. Maybe, uh, maybe we're in that transition period of life. First question of three is, what are you afraid of? Maybe if you're driving in your car right now, go ahead, say it out loud. Nobody's around you unless your windows are down. Nobody's going to hear you except God. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of COVID? Are you afraid of political unrest, social unrest? Are you afraid of some secret that nobody knows about you? Are you afraid that you're going to get found out as a phony? I know that's what it sometimes is for me. I, 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 I have that imposter syndrome, especially as a pastor. Like, man, I don't know enough. I don't, I don't talk good enough. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And it freaks me out. What are you afraid of? 
Next. What are you wrestling with? Are you wrestling with that fear? Are you wrestling with some sin that you can't get past? Are you wrestling with you don't want to let stuff go? You're holding on. You keep holding on to things. Maybe you just <clears throat> you, you just keep wrestling with with maybe it's guilt. I, I don't know. Maybe it's shame. What are you wrestling with? And then lastly, what are you clinging to? A lot of us cling to so many different things. We're clinging to a wealth. We're clinging to a family member. We're clinging to social statuses. It seems like I keep going back to the well, but it it we we keep going back to those things, and we keep thinking, man, if only I can do this, if only I can do that, if only I have this many friends, if only maybe I get married and then that'll make life better. Maybe if I uh, make this much money, then life will finally get better. You find yourselves clinging to those ideas. I mean, Jacob was clinging to the to the idea that he could take care of his brother. Uh, he could take care of his, his family. He could be the schemer. He could be the deceiver. Clinging to who he was, his physical strength, his mental endurance, his, his, his planning to get him through. I don't know if you caught this or not, but <clears throat> it says that Jesus said in, in verse 28, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men, and have prevailed. When I read that, I was like, <laughs> he didn't prevail. His hip got broken. That doesn't make any sense. But it makes sense with Jesus. Jesus needed to get him to the end of himself. Jesus needed to get him to a point where he was injured, where he, he couldn't continue on anymore in his own strength, that he, was, he had nothing left. He was defeated. He was broken, literally broken. And that's when he prevailed. Jacob started prevailing when he started clinging. Ooh, that's good. I, I should write that down for when I preach this live in front of people. <laughs> Jacob started prevailing when he started clinging. Victory comes in defeat. Jesus says, you're end, at the end of yourself. You're broken. You're hurting. You've tried everything and you've got nothing left. Nothing has seemed to work for you. Your entire life You've been this way. You, your entire life, you've been deceiving. You've been scheming your whole life. And you, and you wanted to do that again. Jesus says, you cling to me. I'm going to make you cling to me. And watch that victory. 
Jacob had come to the end of himself. There's no more scheming. There's no more worldly stuff. It was just between God and him now. Everything else had been stripped away. His family was ahead of him. All of his possessions were ahead of him. He was finally in a place of God and him. And he went toe-to-toe with God. He had a wrestling match. And finally had to just say, I, I tap out. All of my hope, all of my life, all of my desires need to be wrapped up in Jesus, not in all of this stuff. He finally gives it over to God. And that is why Jacob prevailed. He had victory in defeat. And that's possible for you and me today because of that same person that, that Jacob wrestled with. That same person that Jacob wrestled with came down again in the form of man again a lot later on. A few thousand years later, he came down and he was born as a little baby in a manger from this line of of Jacob, from this line of now Israel. The same man comes, born in a manger, born in humble beginnings to a single unwedded mom, not single, but unwedded. By scandal and all around in the society. This man was born and he grew and everything he did was right. Everything he did, he, he never sinned a day in his life. He got people around him. He started doing miracles. He started gathering disciples. He started gathering a following so much so that, well, people started to take notice. Jerusalem, people in uh, the Jewish people started taking notice. Rome started taking notice. And they, were, they were, weren't super happy about this. And this man who came and wrestled with Jacob, came down, wrestled with humanity, wrestled with sin, wrestled with, and and won every single time, wrestled with, with what it means to be human, wrestled with the exact same things that you and I wrestle with every single day on a daily basis. He came down and he wrestled with all of those things and he prevailed. He won. Where we always fall short, we are always going to fall short. We're always going to lose that wrestling match with sin, with our own humanity, with life in general. We're going to lose those wrestling matches and that's going to bring us down. But we lose a wrestling match to Jesus and it lifts us right up. Jesus wrestled all of that stuff, and he became the savior of the world. He wrestled with sacrifice. He wrestled with the cross. And he let the cross win. That short battle that match. Jesus wrestled with death. And he was victorious 
over death. He wrestled over sin. And he was victorious over sin. He wrestled with humanity. He was victorious over humanity. And that same Jesus is now asking us, are you ready to stop wrestling with me and just cling to me? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Are you ready to stop wrestling? Second Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul writes, But he said to me, Paul was, was dealing with, with his own sin, with his own stuff, wrestling with his own thing. He said, My gracious grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, and I am strong. Our victory over life, our victory over sin, our victory over death comes in defeat and clinging to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you've done for us. Thank you for life. Thank you for victory and defeat. We love you, and it's in your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.